News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick Van Damenick and Jill Van Damenick. Welcome, Jill. Good morning. And, well, we're excited. A lot of things have been happening. We're now, you know, the last bunch of weeks, we had all kinds of things starting in the greenhouse and products coming in like crazy uh, into the greenhouse. So, But you've also done planting your hanging baskets. Yes, yeah, so our hanging baskets have been planted. It's such an exciting time of the year. Um, we actually start planting our hanging baskets in August of the previous summer. Yep. And uh, we take all of our varieties, pick out which ones we like the best, which ones maybe we didn't like so much. And the new trends for colors new coming. trends for colors. That is going to come for this Talking year. a lot with some of the growers and vendors and um, breeders about the new varieties, which which cultivars are, are better. And then we start getting our rooted cuttings in, in February. And our rooted cuttings, they come in and uh, these are vegetative plants. Now, vegetative plants are a little bit different than a seed variety plant. They are grown for vigor and uh, they are a way more vigorous variety and they are grown to rebloom and be power bloomers all season long. So you're going to get so much more bang for your buck out of these guys than maybe some of those seed varieties, which purpose is to grow, produce seed, and then sort of die. Whereas more of these vegetative varieties, they'll just keep reproducing those blooms all season long, even if they do go to seed. So a lot of them are self-deadheading um, varieties. And uh, so we have put these recipes up and we actually have an assembly line of about... Uh, now what do you mean by self-deadheading? Self-deadheading is the wind will blow them off, uh, the, the leaves off. and they So you don't have to pick the flowers off. So Because sometimes some plants, you have to pick the flowers off in order for them to re- keep reblooming. Yes, because what you're doing by picking the flowers off is you're just saying, oh no, I have to start all over again and then they have to rebloom. Well, yep, these okay. ones are going to rebloom by themselves. Now, Jill, we're going to remind people that this is a recorded show this week again. So yes. Jill, Jill and I are both away this week, this weekend again. We're both in studio next weekend again, So, but uh, this is a recorded show. So no texts or calls today. We're just going to sit back, grab your cup of coffee, your hot chocolate, tea, whatever you drink, and just sit back. Uh, Take a look outside because now we're only one month away from Gardenscape. One month away from Gardenscape. Gardenscape yeah. Oh, so on March 25th March to the 27th, 27th. So is Gardenscape so this can, year. So you can think about being excited and seeing all those tulips and all those flowering plants. and Oh, the hyacinths, hyacinths. blooming and the yep. smell of hyacinths in the prairie land during Gardenscape yep. is just my favorite. So anyway, so it's uh, yeah, so it's perfect time. So, um, um, so anyways, we'll... We'll continue here. We'll talk about uh, getting your now your seeds started. Yes, now is the time to get the majority of your seeds started. Um, sort of end of February, beginning of March, and into April for some of your vegetable yep. varieties. So it's time to start so thinking about now that. Now it's time to think about it. And some, some seeds are going to be too early to start yet, but um, a lot of seeds are going to be starting up here now in the next couple of weeks. So it's uh, it's time to really be thinking about that. And and so when you're starting your seeds, you want to think about all your supplies that you need to start first of all. And uh, so you want to start. You're going to need a tray. Okay, some people will put them in trays, and a lot of the trays now come with these insert little jiffy pots in them, or they actually they're actually cocoa pot little pots. So you put some water in them, and they all swell up, and you can put a seed in every single one of them. Uh, some of them are just open trays where you just plant them in, and then you actually just transplant them into bigger pots later on, or you can put them. St- some of your seeds you're going to want to put maybe a tomato or a seed, and you have more room, and you might want to put them right into a individual pot whether it be a three inch pot or whatever and then you can just transplant right into the garden uh so remember when you're also for supplies you might need very important is is uh to have a little mister bottle 
okay? Because when you once you plant your seeds, you're going to want to water them, and you're not going to use a watering can or any of that because it's just going to it's going to disturb the seed that you plant. So just by misting it, you can keep the the, the soil when they're first until they germinate. Uh, you'll keep the soil moist enough at the surface. And it's a heavier mist. It's not like when you're misting your house plants yeah. where you're wanting it to evaporate after 30 seconds. You're misting you're it misting, so that you're, you're actually you're, getting the soil you're, wet. You know, like you're, giving them, <laughs> you're giving them a good water. It's like watering good with a mister. Good demonstration, <laughs> It's like you're giving them watering, like you're like misting with the water, not just giving them a little spray. No, you're, yes. you're making the soil moist. And uh, it just doesn't disturb the soil. That's the big thing. Also, having the right proper tray. If you're going to use some of your old trays, a lot of people like reusing their old trays, like the recycle, reuse. Right. Yeah. So just make sure you sterilize really well using a thirty percent, at least thirty percent of bleach and water. Right. Dip them through the bleach and water and clean them up really good. Uh, you can use methyl hydrate or you can use alcohol, whatever, too. And but just making sure you sterilize them really well. And uh, and because otherwise you're gonna you can get pathogens like fungals and everything else that that stayed on your pot, especially if you kept them. Uh, not outside where it went to minus 40. <laughs> minus 40 usually kills a lot of things. But if you kept them in your garage where it's not that cold, those pathogens actually can stay in the soil and it can affect uh, a, a lot of your a lot of your plants and seeds um, so, to get them to, from, from actually germinating properly. So when I'm setting up my seed starting area, what type of area should I be looking for? What, 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 do, I, what do I all need to set up my seed starting Bright area? Bright light or grow lights. Okay. okay, so I was looking at that, and it's it usually suggests you have about twelve to sixteen hours of yeah, light. You, you, that's the best thing to have is, is twelve to sixteen hours. One thing to remember when you take your seeds out of your package, by taking your seeds out of your package, they're getting a flash of light. Okay, a lot of times that flash of light is what helps trigger a seed from germinating. So uh, it's really good, and then you put them in the, in on the uh, on the, in your in your soil, and then having some bright light around, um, especially as soon as those plants germinating, it's not so necessarily right went right when they're in the soil. The soil temperature when they're starting it's, to germinate. That's why it's good and better to have when you're first starting it having that that heat mat. It's called a grow mat. Uh, for or f- for starting your seeds, it fits right underneath your tray. It's about ten inches by twenty inches, and you plug it in, and it just keeps a nice. Nice I know somebody who said, like, I used to start my seeds on the top of my refrigerator because they didn't need the light, but they wanted the heat from the refrigerator. But that was some of the older refrigerators. <laughs> some of the new refrigerators aren't that warm. They don't warm. do that so much. They're not as warm at the top anymore. I thought anymore. that was kind of humorous. Yeah. yeah, the old refrigerators, yeah, they were warm at the top. So new and, refrigerators. And if much. you're putting a timer on a light system, I would set it probably for a 16-hour day yep. and an 8-hour night is what I would set it for. Yeah, so, uh, so there again, and, and another one critical that people forget about is having a little fan around. Okay, you need a little bit of air movement. I don't want to turn, a, you know, get a, a 16-inch fan and turn it on number three or number four, <laughs> you know, where you got hurricane winds. I just want a little tiny little battery-powered fan or a little little miniature four-inch little miniature uh, electric fan that I just got a little bit of air moving. And so that you just see the plants just gently moving. And that helps give the plants sturdiness. Yep. And But it also helps with another thing too, fungus gnats and little bugs that are yep. growing in the, that like to be in the soil in moist areas, they actually do not like the air movement. Yep. So it will help keep those at bay as well. So that's perfect for all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. And then again, uh, a seeding mix uh, for soil where you're seeding, uh, get a seeding mix. Your regular potting soil is a little bit too heavy. 
It's too much peat moss mix, and and your seeding soils have a little. It's a finer peat moss, and it has a little bit more perlite and vermiculite in it, so a little bit more porous for 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 drainage. Okay, uh, that's that's important. Your regular, like I said, regular house uh, mixes are a little bit heavier and hold the moisture a little bit too long. Uh, so get a seed mix uh, for best results. That's the best way to do it. I mean, we use an HP mix when we're doing our hanging baskets, and we use a PGX, I think is what it's called, for when we're doing, we're doing it. So also your tray, put a dome on top of it when you first put your seed in there. As soon as you get six, about 60 to 70% germination, pull the top off. Because uh, then otherwise you'll get too many fungals growing with that high humidity once the plants have germinated. And you'll see lots of stretching. They'll be reaching for the sun with all that, all that heat all in that there heat. too. So yeah, so there's a lot of things we can do to get ready for it, and we're going to talk a bit more about which plants to start and what other things you can use to start. Uh, this is that for this. We're going to go to a break right now, Jill. So uh, thanks for listening. I'm Rick Van Damnick and Jill Van Damnick. You listen to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan. Welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Jill Van Deck. I'm Jill Van Damnick. I'm not Jill Van Damnick. I'm Rick Van Damnick. My daughter Jill is with me in studio here. <laughs> We're off to a good start, Jill. <laughs> so uh, today's recorded show. So just sit back, relax, and uh, and uh, we'll be back in studio next week to answer all your questions, both live on with telephone calls and on Texas. Uh, so if you do have a question that you just just eaten at, you like want to, you need to get answered. Just give me an email at rick at dutchgrowers.com. I'll sometime during the week I'll get get back to you and give you an answer to your question as well. So Jill, um, we talked about in the last segment about you know what things you needed, and one other thing I forgot about saying is that a lot of people buy these little greenhouses. They're, they're basically a little steel frame or a wood frame, and then they have a plastic greenhouse around it, so you can zip them up. It helps keep the humidity in there, and they have layers, like, you know, they have layers on them as well. That works good if you put it up against a window where you got lots of light coming in as well. Yeah. If you put it away from the window, it, you'll see your plants inside those will stretch. Yeah, uh, but, so making sure you add some grow lights in there is yeah, really important. And you important. can put some grow lights, you know, up there as well. So it's very important. And, and when also, you add grow lights, it's important that you have them, especially when the plants are growing about two inches above where your plants are. Yeah, two to six inches. And yeah. you want to keep moving them up as, as the, the plants, plants grow. grow. So yeah, that's very, really important. Yeah, too. very important. And uh, and there's all different kinds out there. There's LED, new LED ones out there that barely use any energy at all, give lots of good light. And but if you're going to use another regular fluorescent bulb, there's some T5s and T8s, different size of the fluorescent bulbs. Make sure you get a full spectrum. It's a basically a grow bulb. Okay, a regular light bulb doesn't have all those different colors in it, and so a grow light basically mimics the sun. And or you can get just the regular. There's also grow lights you can get in just the regular bulbs. You know, they come in LED put them in lights. A desk lamp. And you can put them in a desk lamp as well. And so there's all different types you can put in there. So that that just help give that, your plants that extra little bit of light. And if you do have just a tray and you have it up against the window and you see all the plants reaching up and tilting toward the window, just, just give that tree a spin around as they as they want to tilt and that'll sort of straighten them up a little have bit. Them, have them go the other way go, for a little have bit. Go the other way a bit. Now we talked a little bit of overview of what you need to get started but one of the big things that you have to do is you have to do a little bit of planning to get started. So planning your garden um, is really important and figuring out how much space do I have outside or inside my house and how do I want to set this. So what I'll usually do is I'll take a journal and I do a little bit of work and do a little bit of planning ahead of time and I'll, I'll plot out my garden and maybe have it set out 
and and put a grid on my garden. So I'll I'll divide my garden into one foot by one foot squares. And if you look this up on uh, Pinterest or you're on the internet on Instagram, even look up square foot gardening. And I really find this fascinating. Uh, so many different ways you can grow so much in a small space. And if you're going to do that the first time, make make two plans. One that you can remember from remember where the plants were last year. And one, you're going to put a new one for this year because you want to rotate your crops. Yes. Okay, so you don't want to plant the same plant same place. So you have to make one, first of all, from your memory, you're going to try to remember where about in the garden approximately they were so that you know you're not going to put the plants in the same spot this next year on your new plan. And then, because when I go into the garden center and I go through the vegetable section and I work in a garden center and uh, I get really excited and sometimes I start pulling things that I plant in the garden because I'm like, oh, this is cool and this is cool and this is cool. But what I'll do is I'll actually go through and make a list of what do I use most often? Because I want to make sure that I'm getting those things into my garden, whether it's tomatoes, for me, tomatoes, onions, beets, peppers, um, strawberries, radishes. radishes. So I, I really like to think the things that we like to use my kids they love to grow a pumpkin so i have to save space for that pumpkin in my garden so and then i plot it out on this almost square foot grid that i have um in my in my garden then when i go to buy my seeds i kind of have it all figured out which ones i want to do from seed which ones i want to buy seedlings for later on because for me, tomatoes, I will buy them as a seedling rather than planting them from seed. Whereas if you have a large garden that you're wanting to do lots of tomatoes, maybe it's more beneficial and more cost efficient for you to do them from One seed. One way you can help too, Jill, to, to also in your planning, think about this too. Think about in between, quite a few rows in between. It's going to take a little bit of space up, but I mean, you'll have better results. Think about planting rows of marigolds. Yes, for pollination. For, for pollination, for attracting bees, but also... Uh, a lot of insects do not like marigolds. So it's a good, great companion plant to help keep insects away from other plants. Also, if you have rabbits, rabbits don't like marigolds either. So, I mean, there's all kind of reasons why you might want to plant some marigolds as companion plants right in your garden. And some people will use calendula. I'm not sure if you knew that, but yeah. they... Um, are an edible flower as well too. So adding some edible flowers like nasturtiums, calendulas, pansies, pansies yep. into your garden it just adds a little bit of a spark yep. of color into into your Attra and attracts garden. the insects for pollination exactly. as well. Yep. So um, I've written down. I've got my map of my grid section, and then what I like to do is I like to make sort of. Oh, my accountant's going to love this, make a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some of the, the headers on my spreadsheet might be the description, the number of the plants I'm going to use, what my seed starting date is going to be, what my actual seed date is, um, my germination date. So when I started seeing the seeds poke up from the soil, um, what my transplant date was. So once I saw that the roots hit the edge of the container when they were ready to transplant into a bigger pot. And then when I'm starting to see when I want to put them outside. So those are some important things that I want to sort of capture from my seed package and pre-plan. Now, when I'm, a lot of people will say, okay, how do I read a seed package? So Rick, maybe go into explaining um, on the seed package, what will it say on the back and what do those days mean? And what is like a frost date? What does yeah. that mean? Yeah, It'll say seed, seed indoors. A lot of times it'll say seed indoors or it'll say seed straight in your garden. Like, you know, like a, like, let's say a pumpkin or something like that. You can just, if you want to, you can, or sunflower seeds or something like that, you can plant them straight out in the garden. But if it'll say seed indoors, so many days before last frost, okay? So think of Saskatchewan. I always say plant Saskatchewan for the May long weekend. So if it says so, seed indoors seven to eight weeks before last frost, so, so if take, May 20th take May 20th, is that date. And then take 
So then I'd be seeding April 1st. There you go. So just go back so many weeks back from that, May the 20th, and then that's that's the time you want to seed them indoors. So sometimes you will have it where it has a, a germination date on yep. there, and then sometimes you'll have it a date to harvest, harvest too. Yes. So when you have plants that produce fruit or vegetables, for that matter, um, you'll want to be watching that harvest date too, because if it's 120 days to harvest, you'll want to make sure you get those ones started. And that's why when you're picking, especially your tomato plants or some of your cucumbers, if it's a 60-day or a 50-day tomato plant, I'm more apt to plant that early girl tomato than I am to maybe plant some of my early heirloom tomatoes because yeah. I want them to be producing really early. Or hot peppers. Yes. You'll never, if you plant, seed them straight outside, you'll never get them started. A lot of people ask me about sweet potatoes. And if you plant a sweet potato, if you can get a sweet potato, but if you can find them, if you plant them out in the garden on the May long weekend, there's not a chance they're going to be ready for... No, before they're, before they're, they're a warmer climate. They're a warmer plant. climate plant, so you'd have to get a sweet potato and start it in the house in a grow bag or whatever potato bag, and and then grow it indoors to get it mature before at the right time outside. Exactly. So sometimes a lot of people will say, Jill, can I get some uh, sweet potato plants? And we've even brought seedlings in, but sometimes the seedlings don't arrive until June. And then it's just not enough long enough growing season for us here. So unless you've been able to get some of those slips earlier on in the season, a sweet potato uh, is not really successful to grow to a substantial size. Yeah. So, so other plants? Um, so some other plants. So if we look at start kind of our grow dates, I kind of look at that Eight week or ten week, eight week, six week, four week. Um, so a system. lot of so, lot of plants are going to be looking in yeah. March and March in the very beginning of April. So at ten weeks, you'll be looking at like celery, leeks, parsley, shallots, shallots. A lot of your herbs. So that's now. That's, uh, that's, that's, well, not 10, that's weeks. ten weeks. So ten you're weeks. looking March. March, yeah, beginning yeah. Of March. Um, at eight weeks, you'll do your asparagus, onions, some of your peppers, um, your herbs, uh, eggplant. Um, at six weeks, um, so going a little bit closer, now you're seeing more leafy plants. So your broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, those types of things. So we'll talk more about this when we come back from the break. So you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick Van Davenek and Jill Van Davenek. This is a pre-recorded show, so uh, just sit back, relax, and uh, and so we're not taking any texts or calls today, and uh, so we got a bunch of things we're going to be talking about today, and uh, so just, yeah, grab your coffee, hot chocolate, tea, whatever you have. And or just hot water. Some people just drink hot water too. So just sit back and relax. Look, maybe pull up a chair to your window, and now you can visualize out in the garden in the backyard what's happening. So Jill, we're talking about before the break. We were yep. talking about the different weeks and what to sort of start on the different weeks. Yep. And we were at week six. Um, so getting into some of more your leafy vegetables like your yep. broccoli, your Brussels sprouts, some cauliflower, some of your. Um, cabbages, uh, your tomato plants, that's sort of... So week six, six what, what is that? Six weeks before your frost date. So six so, weeks. So you're going to be going to the garden centers and getting all these seeds or your seed favorite seed catalog or greenhouse or whatever, and you're going to grab these seeds. And some of these plants will actually be started for you as well if you yeah, don't so want you to start seeding. you can come seed, and get them in April and start in that, are, that are started already that you don't have to do this part of it. But if you love and just enjoy just playing and and starting your own seeds, then get all your supplies so that you're ready to go for the different times. Yeah, and some of the great benefits to um, planting your own is um, a few things. It's sometimes a little bit less expensive if you're wanting to do a large amount. Um, you have more selection, so there will be might, might be some more varieties that you can get that you're not seeing in the greenhouses or garden centers. And then the other one is is just garden therapy. So in the winter season, it's just nice to, for us to actually be growing something. And that garden therapy is a proven thing to help with mental health. And 
to sort of be a part of seeing something grow. It's huge, huge for mental health. And we're starting to see as whole, all part of that is that growing a little bit more, not just for yourself, but maybe for the food bank or for some other neighbors that maybe don't get out as much and, and uh, be, just could be just to, to be able to benefit from having fresh vegetables in that. Yeah. Call up your community garden and figure yep. out what what's the need out there. Maybe they want you to start some seeds for them. Yeah, and, and maybe it's tomatoes, maybe it's potatoes, maybe it's carrots, whatever, you know. so I'm seeing a lot more when I'm going for walks down maybe the back alley yep. or I live along like a, a berm and so there is actually some flower gardens and some um, vegetable gardens that people have put little signs out there saying yep. when it's in full harvest, help yourself. Help yourself. And there I love go. that 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 idea of community and sharing and having that little bit of food security of like, hey, you know what? We're here to share with other well, people. And too. especially we're seeing this year with the whole transportation. We, just, we saw all the transportation issues going on, you know, this more and more. And the cost of food is going up and that. So, you know what? Helping out uh, some of our community with some of the food that we can grow in our own gardens. That's a great thing. And that's whether you're in the city, in the country, doesn't matter. Uh, we all have neighbors that, that have needs and uh, and could just love. Maybe they don't have the ability to grow their own vegetables and, and that in their yard. So you could just help them out with that kind of thing as well. And like, what a way to sort of get back to the old ways of doing things. I know a lot of times we pull into our house and we drive into our garages and we don't see our neighbors. But yeah. what about that? Just like rallying around each other and having gardening be that connection yeah. and uh, and maybe having somebody over being like hey have you ever grown this before why don't you come over and look at my garden and then sharing some of those things with them and sort of harvesting a, a friendship uh, and growing a little bit of a friendship with maybe some of your neighbors that yeah. during this pandemic I moved into a new neighborhood and I don't know a lot of my neighbors yet yeah. because everybody's been so inside and so just sort of getting out there and meeting people again. and what's important also is that get the kids involved I mean, we all remember grandma's, everybody talks about grandma's garden. It was so huge, you know, it was, it was the whole backyard or, you know, grandma used to grow the whole front yard of potatoes or whatever, you know, now you don't see that as much. And so it's been kind of a lost art. So when you're doing some of your planning here and going to grow your seeds indoors and that, get your, get your kids or your grandkids or whatever involved, uh, maybe a neighbor kid or might be a nephew or niece and get them involved in growing some plants. You'll be amazed. They'll, they'll, they'll they get intrigued by the growth of plants and how well, things. I have a video of my kids pulling up the potatoes after <laughs> the potato season, and they were actually fighting over who got to pull the biggest potato, and then having competitions <laughs> of whose potato looked, the, looked biggest. the biggest. But the cool thing was afterwards, we were able to slice those and make French fries afterwards with them, and being able to see from them pulling that out of the ground to yep. making something into food that they enjoyed. Um, they don't want me to buy French fries anymore. They no, mom, we have to make them from a potato so it's yeah, nice to be go. able to see that and that's something that um it sort of cultivates a new love for it's, gardening they see the whole value of growing something exactly, for your own yeah exactly so yeah we are talking about um what to grow in the different weeks week four um so we are getting closer so this would be in april um your cucumbers lettuce um, melon squash now it's important you don't plant your cucumbers and squash too early because <laughs> they are big plants and you'll need a lot of space and the other thing you'll start to do is you'll start to get funguses on those leaves like powdery mildew what? and um Powdery mildew is very common. Um, increasing that airflow in that area will definitely help. Um, but also spraying a fungicide or a sulfur spray on your leaves will, will definitely help prevent like that, that too.
you. It'll be like that show where they feed me the plant. It'll be reaching out and grabbing <laughs> you at you breakfast. Yeah, I don't want, the, don't want it too big. You know. Now, there's other plants that you want to direct seed. Now, direct seed means that you don't have to start them indoors and you can just put them right into your garden. So those would be things like beets and carrots and kale and lettuce, radish, spinaches, parsnips, your peas. Those are all plants that you don't want to start indoors. Um, and a lot of people might not know that. So you want to save those seeds and then once the, the ground is sort of thawed, then you can put them out. And if you want to, you can start them a little bit earlier and put almost like a dome greenhouse. And that will help keep the frost off of those areas, keep that ground warm so you can maybe get an earlier start in those direct seed sowing. Well, it's huge. You put in the ground, the, basically called the frost cover or crop cover. It's amazing how much earlier you can put it out, you know, there. And a lot of them have, they have integrated, they're like an accordion. They spread out over top of your row. They have a, 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 a white like a fabric over top of them. And they, they also keep the heat in so you can be out there a little bit earlier, you know, so you can beat that. You can get out there a week to 10 days earlier. And a week to 10 days earlier when you're trying to harvest something earlier is huge. So I was watching a documentary and they were talking about growing in northern places like Alaska and the Yukon. Yeah. And so what they did is they actually put those domes on there and then they took pop bottles and they filled them up with water yeah. and then they put them in their greenhouse area. And what the sun during the day did is heat up that water and then it almost provided yeah. some natural heat for and, those areas. And also just rocks even. Even pop yep. bottles or rocks, exactly. all those kind of things, yeah. There's so many neat ways that we can add some natural heat and, and get things growing. So so anyways, you want to you want to be able to be able to start indoors, and so those are important. And uh, getting people involved, get your kids involved, get your nieces and nephews, grandkids, those are all huge things to be able to do. And, and so what, Joe, what else do we have that we want to do this time, this at this week of the time, uh, to be able to get the, the seed started? Um, so you'll want to make sure that you've gone to the garden centers, you've picked up your seeds, yeah. you've sort of got your seeds sowed. Um, yeah, when so, so basically don't wait until, if you're going to direct sow, don't wait until spring. No, pick them up now. Okay, what happens, I get this question all the time. I have seeds from last year, you know, so are they still good? How do I find out if they're still good? Well, what I will usually do if they're still trying to find out if they're still good is I'll sometimes put them in like a paper towel and see if I can get them to start to germinate for me. I remember doing that when I was in like, what is it, grade four or five? We did a germination test where you put them there again in, in the paper, paper towel. towel right? My kids were doing that the other day. They were taking seeds, putting them in paper towel and then putting them in a Ziploc bag and taping them to my windows. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they were trying to see if they would grow. Now the windows were a little bit cold, cold so yes, it yeah. wasn't germinating very well, yeah. but they had the right idea, yeah. right? So that's so, the way you can test if, you're, if your seeds are viable. Yeah. And a lot of times you can store your seeds in a freezer um, in different, different ways to store different yeah. seeds. So if you're wanting to store seeds from year to year, there's definitely a way to do that. Um, I think it's really neat being able Able to a lot of people take these old recipe boxes and instead of storing their recipe cards in them, they actually use them to file their seeds. So there's just so many cool ways that you can you can do this. Um, so yeah, uh, we are almost out of time for this, this segment. segment. So yeah, so you know what? Um, sit back, relax, because uh, this is recorded show again. Uh, so we're we're not taking any calls or texts. So uh, sit back and relax, and uh, have a little break right here. And we'll be right after the break. I'm Rick Van Davidek and Jill Van Davidek. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, I'm Rick Van Davidek, and Jill Van Davidek is joining me here today. And and oh, we've been talking about garden seeds, and this is a recorded show, just to remind you that there, we don't have any calls, the phones aren't open today, and the text lines aren't open today, uh, but you can if, you, if you're itching to, uh, to, to about a question, just rick at dutchgrowers.com, you can do that too, otherwise Jill and I will be in studio next weekend, and uh, you can answer all your, we can ask all your, you can, 
we can answer your ask questions next weekend. The other thing is, is get out. Get out to the garden centers. Yeah. There's so much happening right now in the garden centers. The garden centers are starting to fill up with all kinds of gardening it's things. It's so neat to walk to the greenhouses and just see how much is sprouting every day. You know what? And th- you, you may be in a small town. Like every small town, whether that your town or the town next has a little greenhouse somewhere. And so you can just pop in and say hi and saying. What do you got new for plants this year? What baskets are you doing? Because they'll have them all up in the air already. They'll all be planted up. What baskets are you doing? I want. I need. I need ten baskets because I'm doing a wedding or something like that. So now is a great time to get out there and talk to them, and, and especially those small little rural greenhouses, and uh, be able to get out there and just see that you're excited and they're excited. So I love it when people come into the greenhouse and they just <gasps> they breathe. <sighs> Just they take breathe. that deep breath in and they, they they breathe in the soil and they breathe in the smells of spring and yep. it's just an exciting time. Um, Hanging baskets just finished. We just finished planting a lot of our perennials, our bare root perennials and our little bulb perennials. So that has all been planted now. Greenhouses are filling the up. The greenhouses are filling up. Um, Easterlies will be coming, starting to come in and, and starting to get those to bloom. Hyd- blue hydrangeas. Easter's a little bit later this year. So we'll be starting to see the hydrangeas come in at end of March. Gardenscape is coming March 25th, 27th, just 30 days away. So we're going to be starting to prep for that. It's just crazy to think like how quick this is coming. Time goes by so quick. Uh, Yeah, even the other greenhouse that we have all our perennials in, we're busy cleaning it up and get ready to go because we don't move plants into that one until around April 1st. And uh, so that, but it's getting all ready. You have to prepare for that. So it's, yeah, there's lots to do. Lots yeah. to do in the greenhouses. We'll be starting. We have had some plants underneath a blanket, a frost blanket yep. for the winter time. So we actually put our perennials, we call it putting them to bed um, for the winter time, where we put them underneath a frost blanket and they stay at a consistent temperature all winter. So we'll be pulling those blankets up in the next couple of weeks and getting those plants all cleaned up, taking the dead leaves off of them and getting them ready for next spring. Yeah, you know, it's fun to do. So, you know, uh, Jill, you wanted to talk about again about what we wanted to get ready, but how to fertilize these seedlings. Yeah, so we talked about how to prep for seeding, how to sort of plan a little bit, how to keep some records, um, when to start different seeds, when. But now you might have some of those seedlings that have started to grow, and when do I start fertilizing? So it's really important that once you start seeing um, the first set of leaves, those aren't called the true leaves, but the second set of leaves, those are what you call the true leaves on the on the um, on the plant. So once you start seeing those, you can start fertilizing. And I would usually start suggest fertilizing with a half rate of fertilizer when there's really small. So you can start fertilizing maybe once every two weeks. Okay, so you said half rate. Yes. What type of fertilizer? Um, you can use a root boosting fertilizer to start off with. So something with a high mill number. So NPK. So nitrogen. Yeah. NPK. No, the only problem you want to do is you want to be careful. You when you say high, don't go too high. Okay. No, not right like, off the bat. Don't put a, a 10, 52, 10. Because what will happen on those new little plants is that they'll str- that, that phosphorus also will make the plants stretch. Yes. Like crazy. So make sure that you do have a second number, but you're only maybe hi- as high as 10. That would be about the highest I'd put that second number. Okay. Otherwise, they will stretch quite a bit. Another one you could use too is just use an alfalfa pellet tea. Yeah. And make, mix your tea, mix in water, let it sit overnight, let it steep overnight, and then put it in a watering can or your, 
your misting bottle or whatever you're using, and then just mist you mist your plants to your soil too with that with that tea, and then that's huge too. There's lots of great organic fertilizers yep. that you can use now, yep. and the numbers are quite low and mild on them, yep. um, which you're not going to find any burning on your leaves and things like yep. that too. Now, if you are using a soil, it is really important that you're f- watering thoroughly, so making sure you're keeping that soil moist, but you're allowing that water to leach through. So that if you're fertilizing, there's not salt buildup on the bottom too. So that's really important as that's well. That's why you don't want to use fertilizer every time you water for it because you're draining, you're pushing the salts out of the soil, which exactly. is important. Um, a lot of times once you start seeing the plants get a little bit more um, established, that's when you start seeing maybe some mold or fungus growing on the soil or different things like that. We used to have products like No, no Damp. Yeah. Um, not available anymore. Not available anymore. So by putting a, maybe a little fan to that's increase that area so um, or a little sulfur spray, um, that will definitely help with control some different fungal issues too. But just make, knowing what to do and what signs to see um, and decreasing your humidity a little bit when you're starting to see those. There's a, there's a product called Safer, like in, we always talk about end all the time. There's another one called three in one. Yes. And three in one, it, it stops any, in case you get any little bugs and that kind of stuff or in the plants, but it also has a little bit of sulfur in it, so it keeps the fungals down as well. So a lot of people, they say, you know what, I don't know if it's a, what's causing this damage on my leaves, and they got three in one, it kills the fungus and it, the bugs. It, it takes so care of a lot of them. That's what's nice about three in one. Um, the next thing is when we get into the plants are growing up and we're ready to transplant, when should I be transplanting them? So you should have a nice sturdy stalk. You've got some leaves on them. And if you tug on the stem, you should be able to pull it out and see that the roots are quite thick and they've reached the outer edge of the container. The, if the roots have not reached the outer edge of the container yet, it's not time to plant it into a bigger container yet. So. And some people like putting right into a peat pot, and you'll actually see the roots growing through the peat pot. Yes. Which is awesome as well. So then, And you don't need to take that pot off. You just plant it straight into a bigger pot or plant it straight out into the garden. Yeah. And another thing, too, is if you're transplanting and maybe those roots have gotten too big and too long and they're starting to grow around and circle around the bottom, then what you want to make sure is you're just sort of breaking up those roots on the bottom and spreading them out a little bit. If you're transplanting, them to, if you're transplanting them to a bigger pot, and that will just help it so that the roots continue yeah. to grow outward and they don't just continue to grow in a spiral. A lot of times I don't like breaking them too much. I like to what I call tickle them out. So I tickle out, take my ruffle fingers. Ruffle the feathers. Ruffle the feathers. Tickle them out and so that you're loosening them up so they're not growing in a circle and they grow out into the, into the new soil. So, so otherwise, uh, another thing you want to do, make sure you do, is that uh, is making sure that the time you want to put them out. So there again, you don't want these humongous plants inside the house. So just always watch, we talked about in that show before, is watch your timing. And so many days before last frost is, is very important. We'll talk about that over and over and over again. And then, then making sure that you do that to get them out into the garden and, uh, and just enjoy them. And lots of light, huge, lots of light, move some air movement around. Uh, and and it, and then enjoy them. So and one of the things I remember that Grandpa did for Grandma is uh, uh, he made almost like a piece of plywood and put wheels on it with like a handle on it, and she would put all of her plants on it for when we go to harden them off. Now, when hardening them off yes. means is later on in the season, you'll put them out during the day when it's warm, and then bring them in at night, and you'll do that for quite a while. And it's quite a chore when you've got a lot of plants. So what he did is he made this piece of plywood and put it on wheels, so she put all of her plants on there and haul it out onto her driveway during the day. And then haul it back, back in, in the garage at night. In the so. garage at night. So just be thinking about some of those creative things that you could be doing now to get ready for a later time in the season when you're when you're wanting to start hardening those. No, hardening off, off means that we're acclimatizing the plant to go outside because 
two things, not just for the cooler temperatures, but if you're putting them in, in where you're growing them indoors and you just go straight out into the direct sunlight, that's too much of a, of a, of a trauma a for the plants, a shock for the plant as well. So you want to be able to put them out, not in the direct sunlight, but maybe a little bit in an area where you don't have that much. And then, so that, but that's coming. We'll talk about a lot more of that as we get closer to the season. So, but you know what? Um, spring is spring coming. Is We're coming. So, excited. so excited. So excited. So, so thank you for listening to Garden Talk. You listen to Jill Van Dominick and Rick Van Dominick and Garden Talk. This is on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.